0: So we have an exciting event we're about to do. It's coming up on October 2nd at Plywood Place in Atlanta. Andre and I, were hosting a date night. And we want to invite you and the person that you love to join us. We have one of our favorite guests we've ever had on the podcast, Lori Watson, who's a sex therapist. She's going to give us all her tips, tricks, and secrets behind having an incredible love life. This is weird to say on the internet. But I'm putting it out there. And so chances are you might want to come and join us for an incredible night. We'll have wine and desserts and I'll for sure be embarrassed with everything we're talking about. So join us October 2nd. Get your tickets at loveorwork.com forward slash date night. I'll say it one more time. Loveorwork.com forward slash date night. See you October 2nd.
1: It's right
0: here. Yeah, I'm looking to make it a little lighter. <laughs> Are we mutually aligned oh, right now? Oh my goodness! Uh, there's, there's always, always two <laughs> versions. I mean, you're moving a little slow, but working I, I, really hard. <laughs> <I'm just
1: kidding. laughs> we will definitely talk about that later. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: love love or work.
0: work? Welcome to the Love Work Podcast. This is Jeff, and I'm Andre. And we have a special, special episode today. Yes. We have been trying to get on his calendar for like four years. I wouldn't that's kind of that. weird because he says, Yeah, we could have just called him and he'd have answered. But we <laughs> wanted which is like classic. But we wanted to get this scheduled and really dig in because this person has made a big impact on our life. His name is Bob Goff. He's a friend of ours. He's been a friend of ours for 15 ish yeah. years. Yeah. The first time I met him, we hit, well, we had both read a book by Donald Miller, and it talked about this crazy family. I mean, it was right after Don's book came out, and it talked about this family, the Goff family, and it had just these crazy stories about him. Well, I remember you and I were like, this is a family. We want to learn from this family. We were looking yeah. for someone to learn from, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so this was like these stories. We were just so enamored by it. Well, I was at this dinner with all these other writers, like guys, like people are introducing themselves. Mm-hmm. It was like, hi, my name is Bob Goff. and I'm like, you're Bob. Goff? I know who you are. He's like, and I literally said to him, you're the Bob Goff. He was like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, but yes. And this was before he had ever written any books. This is before anybody knew him. And I said, can I sit down and ask you, I have like, a lot of questions I want to ask you. He's like, yeah, let's do it right now. Yeah. So we sat down over dinner and I drilled him with questions for like three hours. And I think by the end, he's like, all right, somebody get me out of here. (laughs) No, he doesn't think like that. He doesn't. It was really encouraging to me. It gave us like, gave me a different view on what it meant to be a dad and leader and all these different things, Mm -hmm. which led into a series of times that you and I got to meet with him.
1: Yes. And he was definitely our encourager to take our sabbatical 10 years ago. Yeah. And then he also has now, then just been that consistent, encouraging voice to
0: us in the most in random times, like I'll randomness. Send, it's like I send a mass email out through our, you know, plywood through our organization. And I write something, and then I'll get this. I'll get an email back. Like I'm like, you don't have time to read our emails, but he follows he and does. he pays
1: attention and he reaches out at the mm-hmm. best, most important times.
0: Yeah, he's really been an incredible voice in my life so we got to get him on the podcast today and, and you know
1: bob he likes to talk
0: he listen I, we even said we had a list of questions and like, we
1: were like we don't even know if any of them will we'll be asked
0: one question and he's gonna take it wherever he wants to take and it, he, right? does take he does take it wherever he wants and, he and wants, that's
1: the wonderful thing about him yeah is he gets to make his own rules of how he wants <laughs> to talk
0: But in a good way, like I think there's something that he's been thinking a lot about and we're going to talk about today. And it really has to do with, are you creating arguments with people or are you creating friendships, right?
1: Yeah, I think he said a lot about what oneness is, like oneness is not sameness. And I think we're going to get into that a
0: lot today.
1: So we hope you love this podcast and our time. As much as we did. Yeah, and
0: if you don't know who Bob Goff is now, he's a best-selling author multiple times. He was an attorney. He says he's never lost a debate in court. And he owned an airline one time. He's done, it's just like, he he's gets involved. He's written numerous books, yes. Yes, numerous books. He gets involved in very unique projects all over the world. And I guarantee you'll be encouraged today.
1: His latest book is called Dream Big. He actually will probably have another book coming out soon because he's still writing and he does have a tour. If you want to hear him, he's going to be on tour called Bob Goff and Friends on Tour, which you can go to bobgoff.com backslash tour and read about all the dates and places that he's going to be traveling to. So if you love him today and you love this podcast and his voice and are encouraged by it, we encourage you to check him out on tour with his friends. And here we go, Bob Goff. All right, Bob. So our podcast has been going on for about three years now, and we have been asking couples, over 150 couples now, this idea of, is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and raise a healthy family. And that has been our project for the last three years. And so we know that you have lived this life and have done this essentially, I'm sure with lots of bumps and things in the road as well. But that is our first question that we want to ask you is if you think that that is all possible.
2: Yeah, I think it's possible for those where faith is an important thing. And it is for me, that verse in John 17, where it talks about being one. So uh, oneness doesn't mean sameness. And sometimes we confuse that, that we need to be the same. And Sweet Marie and I could not be more different. You know her. Mm -hmm. Uh, she's, (laughs) She's the wise owl and I'm Tigger. So what we do is we are clear on what each other's priorities are and why we're doing what we're doing. It'd be such an interesting exercise for couples to go get 10 things. It could be from timeliness to cleanliness to like Mm -hmm. whatever it is. You could just say 10 things and then have them double blind, like rank them from highest priority, highest value to lowest value. And so you'll find for one person, their highest value for me, availability. Maria's lowest value is availability. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't make me the hero in that story. It makes us both like self-aware. And so I think that's the best thing we can bring to whatever kind of friendships, whether it's a marriage or something else is an awareness about why we're doing what we're doing.
1: Yeah. And when you think of like those three phrases and we break it apart, so change the world, stay in love, raise a healthy family. If you were to take those three phrases and break it apart, what does each of those mean to you?
2: Yeah. I like the stay in love one first, just because it's just such a like a uh, seventh thing where we're the enthusiasts. We're like, yes, everybody should love everybody. But I also try death penalty cases against witch doctors. So I have gears. Um, <laughs> but one, <laughs> one of the things i found out about love when in terms of a definition, it would be sacrifice and commitment. Sacrificial love, not something you'd pick up at a yard sale. And then commitment, like, you know, kind of this type of love that like in my faith, journey was extravagant, was like just over the top. And so what I want to do is model that and it both experience and receive that and also give that. I'm trying not to be efficient in the way that I love sweet Maria and she's mm. not trying to be efficient. And I think sometimes people are trying to max out the efficiency of their relationship. Mm. And that's a great way to have a relationship with a daytimer, but not with a
1: person. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. I think that's so true. Efficiency is like the thing we keep thinking about. And it's so easy to take that and flow into the relationship for sure.
2: The second part of that, part of it involved like raising a family, bring them along. And again, that oneness isn't sameness. So each of our three kids and then each of the people that they Have married or in the middle of marrying are just wonderfully different. And so, what I'm trying not to do is have them follow in my footsteps, but to just say, What do your footsteps look like? And how Mm. can I jump on board? Mm. I remember uh, Richard made an ashtray for me when he was in like the third grade. It was made out of, you know, do you remember making those out of clay? (laughs) Yeah. I I wanted to start smoking. (laughs) <laughs> like This is awesome. Uh, if if Adam wanted to make pizzas, I'd grow tomatoes. So to just kind of get in, find their thing and say, how do you navigate that? We've got an extra layer now with adult kids in that one of them is helping with this retreat center that we have. So we've given him the whole range of the things. And so we're trying to find ways that we aren't losing the coolest part of what we do in talking business. So a lot of times we just don't talk business. We just are just talking about, I don't know, anything but. Mm. So being super intentional in the conversations that you have. I've got packs of those crazy, like, talk to me question Mm -hmm. cards. I remember when the kids were younger and we wanted to find out if somebody had a boyfriend or a girlfriend or something, we would stack the deck. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Or
1: like you do the pretend reading of the question, yes, but you exactly. actually just throw your own question in there. Yes, but you
2: need to cover your tracks. You can't say, so who's Sally? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, part of that is being curious. And I think a lot of people that I've experienced that look older than they actually, their chronological age, they just stop being curious. Mm. When they stopped getting curious, then they just stopped doing stuff because they weren't curious. And it started to wind out They weren't curious about the relationships. They weren't curious about your kids. They weren't curious about, hey, hey, what lights you up? So I want the conversations to be really directed. Hey, tell me what's blowing your hair back right now. What is it that's just super work? What's the thing? If you could change one thing right now, what would that be? Just such a great way. It doesn't feel contrived or staged to just kind of get at it. Like say, what is uh, the thing that you are spending a little bit of time on right now? So we're navigating. I'm talking about this like I haven't figured it out and we don't, but I'm curious. <laughs> there you go.
0: As a husband, as a dad, now as a grandfather, which it sounds like you're loving that phase in general, but everyone you interact with, you, you challenge people to dream big. And we've noticed in a lot of relationships, it's really hard to encourage your partner to dream big or have your kids dream big. What have you done to just get behind your kids and your wife in the dreams that they have so they feel supported in that way? Yeah,
2: when they have an idea to just take a genuine interest in it. Again, in my faith tradition, it comes from Philippians 220. So Guy Paul talking about another guy Timothy. He said, "There's nobody like Timothy. He's a guy who takes a genuine interest in the people around him." So Adam wanted to plant a vineyard out at the oaks, and <laughs> that just cracks me up. For a guy who hasn't had three glasses of wine in my entire life, this <laughs> I'm like a Dr Pepper guy. So I just like, let's get him. Let's do and it. Say, like, what kind of grapes? I'm like round. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So I've been practicing in the mirror saying the names of five red wines and two white wines because you really botch it if you have to like stumble. You have to make it sound like it (laughs) isn't the first time you're in the in the end zone. So I've been practicing, but this all was the out. Growth of something Adam had in mind, and I'm like, let's start planting some vines. And the thing about vines and people, the reason that leaves on these vines are so green while the ground is so parched and dry, is that the roots go down forty feet. I'm like, that'll preach.
0: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what I
2: want to do is like grow deeper, not have a, a lot of shallow conversations. They're not bad for warm ups, but man, at some point we need to go major league on this. We can't just stay in the farm league and keep it light. If you have some unsafe people in your life, you could do that. But you know, if I ever start talking about sports, I'm keeping it shallow. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't want to be like a snorkeler when it comes to relationships. I want to be a shipwreck diver. Like that's where all the gold is and you're not going to find it in the top two feet. And Mm. so maybe I think I've just, bent towards metaphors. I can understand life a little bit better, but to have those conversations to say, ah, let's not snorkel. Come on, let's jump in. What do you think? I've got a son who's going to get married, which is so awesome. I've got just the vineyard to do it in. Um
1: (laughs) (laughs) And what do you think about supporting your wife, sweet Maria, who is, like you said, completely opposite, different from you? How has that journey been between you two in that way?
2: Yes, I don't bring everybody over to the house. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you brought us over. You she did was, probably, us oh she was probably not that's happy different. about that one.
2: We keep it a pretty small group of people that come by the place. And for good reasons, I want her to have a place that's really safe and yeah. really just like emotionally safe. And you can create that whoever it is that you're is listening to say, how do I create that environment for people? And I, I'll miss it. Uh, sometimes and she'll let me know. And then I try to do a better job next time. But having a place that she feels like she doesn't need to like go commando crawl around on her <laughs> elbows on the floor because somebody <laughs> just knocked on the door at
0: night. Well, Bob, years ago, you really imprinted our family. You probably may not realize you did, but You know, we were on your back porch, I don't know how many years, was that a decade ago or so?
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, we were just sitting out. We had some Adirondack chairs, sitting on the grass. I
0: remember it. You kind of spoke into us because we were exhausted. We were trying to both manage all of life and a little child and all this stuff. And you said, you guys just need a break. Why don't you just stop everything for a little while and take off and be together? and we ended up taking like a small sabbatical based on your encouragement and have done it every year since so we've kind of built this new rhythm yeah rhythm for our lives and i remember you saying what rules are you guys following you get to write your own rules nobody says you have to do it a certain way it was an encouraging mm. thing for us and we've now transformed how we live because of it How do you get to that point? How do you see things like that that others don't see and speak into their lives the way that you do? How have you found that as part of your rhythm?
2: Well, first of all, I I want to tell you, I've gotten so much encouragement watching you guys just unstring the bow. In archery, if you have a bow and it's always really tightly strung, when you go to pull it, it'll snap in half. You won't Mm -hmm. ever shoot the arrow. So Mm -hmm. seeing you guys unstring the bow once or many times a year is such a, encouragement for me as I'm seeing you on that social media and all that. And I'd encourage the other people that are listening to find like some appropriate restraints, be self-aware, kind of read the room. But I think the first thought that came to mind when you asked the question is, I assume I have permission. Uh, And some people think they're waiting for permission they're at the stop sign and they're waiting for the light to change the green, but it's a red sign. It's not like a light. All they see is stop. They don't see the green. And it'd be like, buddy, that light ain't going to change. You just at some point need to say, I feel like I have permission to go right now. There's a couple rules of road, like the guy on your right, <laughs> let that car go first. But other than that, maybe not spend so much time asking for or waiting for permission. And permission comes in so many different ways. It can come from validation, like from people like, you know, saying, giving you a little golf clap and saying, you know, what you did was uh, somehow was validating, like I'm on your team or Mm -hmm. whatever kind of affirmation you get from kind of crowdsourcing your life. Or you could just say, I actually have permission to do this. And so anecdotally, I might tell people, what I'm doing, but I'm not waiting for enough people to give me the thumbs up to go. And so again, it isn't being self-centered. It actually is the opposite. It's reading the room to say, I'm not trying to create more anxiety in your life so I can live mine. Uh, But yet I feel like fully authorized to live my life uh, and to make humble decisions, making sure it works more for Maria than it works for myself. But with this work, if I were to, is a great uh, way to do it. She loves me and wants to see my best, even though it wouldn't be her jam. Say, so like, go knock yourself out. Oh, we're up with a uh, consul general for the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan tomorrow because of all the setbacks that they've been having. And he and I have been uh, traveling over to Afghanistan together for like the last couple of years, a ton. And I just assumed I had permission to go. Nobody called me from the State Department said I couldn't. So I just assumed I could. And so, whether it's going across an ocean or across the street, I think the same permission, like equation, is something we have to solve. So, mm-hmm. do you have permission to love your neighbors? And then, do you have permission to define who you want your neighbors to be? And like, do, can we call somebody in a different faith community or different faith expression our neighbors? And can we actually treat them that way. So, I think we have permission. There's a guy here that's taught me a ton. He's an imam in San Diego and he's a a guy that just has given me permission to be me and he didn't need my permission to be him. But he's just like gone out of his way to just say like, "Buddy, I'm learning from you." I'm like, "No, but I'm learning for you." And the crazy thing is that we don't just send text messages to each other. We meet at yeah. IHOP. <laughs> Go figure. And we're the only two dudes in there because nobody goes to IHOP. (laughs) So it's perfect. So one of the things I want us to do is to reach out to people, like broaden that. It feels a little scary to do this. And this Mm. might be a segue into the third question is how do you impact the world is make your world bigger. Mm. And you make your world bigger by being like generous with your time, with your resources, whatever it is, but just go through, find a what would be a courageous next step for you? Don't send people a voicemail. I don't, but that isn't for Maria Like she's like, oh heck no, she could get rid of a phone. I wish they sold airtime by like nanoseconds because she's like not interested at all yet. Uh, for me, I've probably gotten I don't know fifty calls today, and <laughs> just try to be available, anticipating that I'll learn a ton. From somebody. And so you want to impact the world, do it the way, again, in my faith tradition, it said they saw these guys in the book of Acts, that they came back, they saw their courage, and they could tell that they had been with Jesus. So we want to say like doing things that are courageous for you. I'm not trying to do courageous things for you. I'm just like, what would be the next courageous move for me? Whether it's like making a call or apologizing to somebody who is kind of a jerk or just not saying, keeping a couple things in the thought bubble above my head <laughs> instead of <just> saying, <laughs> every once in a while, somebody would call up and they just want to argue because they're, they're not mad at me. They don't know me from Adam, but they got a book or something and somebody wounded them along the way and they want me to sort it out or be kind of like the receiving end of all the comments they didn't make to that person. And so instead of me squaring off with them, because I win arguments for a living as a trial lawyer, what I'm finding myself trying to do is to say, hey, tell me about your best friend. They'll be like, what? I'm going to talk about some." theological something. I'm like, no, just tell me about your best friend. And like, why? There's seven and a half billion people. Why'd you pick them? And what do you think your best friend would say about that? Instead, like, it's not psychology. It's just like, make it about them. Don't make it about me and my small ideas. Make it about them and their big ideas. Make it about their best friend. But when we make it about us, now it's me against you. And I just don't want to, I'm not doing that. Um, Mm. So uh, among the rules that I make for myself, I'm not squaring off with people. Yeah, you know, I'm not going toe-to-toe with people.
0: Random question related. I was just thinking as you were sharing about that, I mean, you obviously your family, your immediate family, this has been part of life for them, living with you and the way that you see the world and encouraged by you to have courage themselves. I'm curious, when you met these new kids that your kids got married to, how did that relationship take shape? Because it's like, well, my dad is Bob Goff, and... You need to meet him. I'm curious. I'm just curious, like, how did that transpire with the, new,
1: the newbies and the, the family. newbies
0: in the family? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: This is great. I've just been the guy on the learning end of that. Uh, Richard married uh, the girl that he's been hanging out with since the fourth grade. So you've known her forever. Oh. <laughs> forever. Yeah. Like part of the family forever. Uh, Lindsay married this terrific guy, John, and they had hung out all through college. Together, and he's just such a good guy. And then Adam's marrying this terrific gal named Caitlin here in the next little bit, in the coming weeks, not oh, months. Oh, wow! And uh, so we're just learning a ton alongside. So I've explained to everybody what they already knew, which is this is amateur night. Like I don't know anything about this. I'm like learning. I'm on the receiving end. But one thing that I found to be true, both in the tightest relationships and then the people that you meet along the way, is to ask people what their experience is, not what their opinion is. Mm -hmm. And and I'll give you an example. I've gone on sailing trips across the Pacific a couple of times, and I've got one. I'm just like in the caper stage right now. And there was a guy that gave me all of his opinions. He said, this is what you should do, where you should steer and how you should go. And all of a sudden, I said, oh, are you a sailor? He said, like, no, never been on a boat.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
2: (laughs) So he had a lot of opinions. He just didn't have any experience. That didn't mean a bad thing. It just makes me in like so many areas. I've got opinions. I'm a lawyer. I got an opinion about everything. But I want to talk to people about my experience. And if I don't have an experience in that, I'll say, I don't have any experience that parallels this, but I'm so interested in learning how that goes. I don't say, but here's my opinion. So ask people, if you're getting dating advice from somebody, ask them, hey, what's your experience with relationships? Hmm. And if they've had as much difficulty as many in navigating marriages and the rest, and they've failed a couple of times as happens so often, then it would be good to know their experience before you know their opinions. Mm. it's a a really beautiful in the best sense of a vetting. Like I don't have any experience in that. So when you take the social issues of the day to say, don't give me your opinion, tell me your experience. Like when have you experienced whatever Mm. it is, like you pick the topic and I want to know what your experience is. And many of the topics that have the greatest attention I have the least experience in. And so I wanted to say like that immediately makes me like, man, I'm the learner. I got my pen out. Let's take some notes. I'll write it on my hand. I'll go old school Palm Pilot. (laughs) Just, Just tell me, man, I'm here to listen, not to tell anybody.
1: One thing I've always loved about you is that you really, you don't fear breaking rules, number one. And that's probably your seven, I'm sure. And number two, you definitely don't fear really making mistakes. And how do you get to that place where you're not afraid of making a mistake?
2: Oh, yeah. You take the screens away. I'll tell you what I mean. I was up with some guys. I teach a class at San Quentin. You guys should come along with me sometime. We want
1: to really Uh, bad. Yeah, yeah.
2: So there was a guy up there that is, you know, Professional level athlete, but he also has ended up like he's in there for many, many years for doing a, a something really bad. And so uh, they said, "Do you want to pitch a practice?" And so we're in the yard, and there's guys like bench pressing like Priuses, like they're just like, they're all <laughs> ripped and tatted up and all that. So we're out on their their baseball field in the. Uh, in the quad there, we walked out to the mound and there was a screen to protect the pitcher from getting a line drive in the face. And the first thing I said is take the screen away. Like, I don't want anything between me and you. And that small like moment in there to say, wow, because I just trusted this guy was good enough that he could pull it. And I didn't know if I was going to throw the ball, I could do a lousy job, like kind of like a Dr. Fauci when he's aiming for the plate and he hits third base. So I hadn't thrown a ball since high school but I threw this pitch and it went over the plate. Like we were both surprised. And then he hit the cover off the ball. And I did this about four times and then I got cocky and he was kind of crowding the plate a little bit. And so I decided I was going to try to brush him back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I hit him so hard. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty pro tip here. Do not hit somebody who's in for taking someone's (laughs) life. And so, (laughs) But he was so kind about that. So two dynamics are going on is that I started getting prideful and cocky and he got hurt. And so the irony of that isn't lost on me that I'd made a first good move, which is remove the screen, establish some trust. And then it was me that was cocky, not him. He got hurt and he was the gracious one. He didn't charge the mound like he should have. And so I think if we can just do this, that the humble voices win. The humblest voice is going to win these arguments. Um, a person says, hey, teach me. I am curious. I'm available. I don't have experience. I'm not playing dumb and I'm not dumb, but I'm engaged. I'm smart enough to know that you've got more experience on this. And so teach me. Do that to the new people joining Team Golf to say, hey, teach me. How could we crush it as a father-in-law? How can I just knock the cover off the ball? Like, can you come up, like, pull on your left ear or something? Tell me, give me a tell if I'm like just a little too much, Bob. <laughs> just help me tap the brakes because I want to support you guys. I want you to crush it in the ways that are unique to you, and it's you've never before had this kind of a union. I've never been an in law. To you and so tell me how I can do a great job with that And you know what they' are the ones that are teaching me It's been really good and I won't get it right all the time, but I don't think they'll charge the mound when I mess up. So my job is like keep it super humble with my kids and like
0: stay in learn mode. I hear you talking about I'm not gonna win an argument, I'm not gonna argue with you I'm not like I hear a tone that you're saying and you're like culturally right now, there's a lot of people that have opinions and they can't get along, right? Is that a fair viewpoint that you're seeing and I hear in your voice, like you're saying, how do we reframe this conversation? Is that fair?
2: Yeah, I don't want to be right anymore. I want to be Jesus. Like that's the objective. That's what the bullseye is for me. And if faith isn't a big deal for you and you're listening to just say, I don't want to be right, I want to be humble. Hmm. That doesn't mean that my right opinions aren't worth hearing, sometimes they're just not worth saying.
1: Mm. And
2: so I'm just kind of keeping it in the thought bubble for, right now. they'll keep, if they're any good, they'll keep. Mm. Mm. And so instead of blowing it right away, I want to say like, gosh, if I could just sit on that for a moment, I'll probably find a better way to say it. You guys, when you're writing, have you found that the best chapter titles come later? Mm.
0: Yeah. So
2: maybe if there's something that happened in your life and you would have titled that rejection. Boy, like thinking high school, you know, the person that you liked so much and all that. And then they said no, which happened to me often. Then later I see that was actually release. That's a more accurate mm-hmm. title. If I would have titled a chapter after lodge burned down, like I'm out, like I'm packing up the van uh, to move back into that thing we rebuilt. And I'm like, I'm back. Like mm-hmm. that's the better title. And so I'm not rushing it right now to title everything. I'm not trying to put a label or a title on you or them or whoever I think is them. And to just say like, wow, let me just soak this in a little bit. I bet I'll come up with a better title later.
1: Is this super counterintuitive? Like, Is this something that you're really intentionally focusing and trying to do? Because as a lawyer, I mean, in my mind, that would be the opposite of what a lawyer... is (laughs) is <laughs> yes exactly
2: they're like there's some actually some really nice ones out there but they're some that have the well-earned reputation of being like a little pompous and kind of mean and all that and um there's a guy who is out in your neck of the woods and he's pretty much everything i'm not <laughs> he's vulgar and he's he's just in everybody's grill about everything and I decided that I was going to be friends with him. He wasn't a project. I just knew that I needed him in my life. And so I called him up once and I said, hey, it's Bob Goff here. He's like, Bob who? I'm like, I know I get that all the time. But um, I just said he, he ended up on the newspaper for something. I said, I saw this thing. and I just want to let you know that's got to be really painful. And in a moment of transparency, he said, you know what you don't know and other people don't know. I've gotten six death threats this week. And I got to move. My mother-in-law, my wife, our kids, we all got to leave. And so in this brilliant foolishness, I said, can I help you move? Uh, and so I got on a plane and I landed uh, where he is and I found my way to his address and there's all these boxes and all this. I pick up one that said China. And so I pick up the plates, the bottom falls out. Oh, I Bob. break every plate. <laughs> and there. I have known this guy for 30 seconds, this guy that's like vulgar and in everybody's face. And I'm like, it would be, you know, that book, like when helping hurts. (laughs) I would be the cover of the book. But you know what he did? He looked at me and there's a long, awkward pause and he said, rookie mistake. And I'm like, I love this guy. And uh, he's gone He hasn't changed. He's still, he's everything I'm not, but we're friends. And we're friends. Not I'm not the hero of the story. I'm the guy that screwed it up. And it was his reaction. Again, a guy that didn't charge the amount that had every right to. And uh, he actually had a little setback again, became like number one trending topic on Twitter. And I called him. I'm like, dude, are you okay? He's like, no, Bob, you won't believe this. I've got to move again. And he's like, "I." so I said, can I help? He's like, no. no. <laughs> Take <it> away, Bob. <laughs> but I think if we can, if there is, to your point, an arc in this, I think what I'm doing is trying to slow down the cadence a little bit. Like we're mm. going to get there. My stride's bigger than Maria's just because I'm like six, four. And so what I found is that we both get there together. We just don't compare strides. We talk about the direction, like where are we headed? And we try to get there together and I'm not comparing mine to hers and she's not comparing hers to mine. It's like, can we arrive there together? Can we be one?
0: Not the mm. same. Hmm. All right. We do this little thing sometimes that people like you that have experience with kids. I think the way that you have raised your kids have been remarkably unique. And so we want to go through each stage real quick. And I want to hear from you what goes through your mind in each of the stages. Does is that, is that sound right, Yonder?
1: Yeah, so it's like ages and stages with kids. And your one thing that pops in your head of advice. Which, this, is gonna you, know, Bob, yes. this is going to be unique. I know. From Bob, this is going to be good. So <laughs> one thing that pops into your head that you would want those parents like to hear for that stage. Because you've done yeah, them all. Okay, on fire. That.
0: Let's do it. You've Lightning done them rimmed. all. All, all right. right. Young kids and toddlers.
2: Oh, yeah. Where's the
0: off switch? <laughs>
2: uh, not on you, on them. them yeah. Yeah. Um, but to be patient and to say, man, these are going to be the times where you've bent time, you made like one hour felt like 10, like these are the, going to be th- the things later that you're going to think, man, those were the days.
1: Mm. Mm. All right. Elementary years with those kids.
2: Yeah. Like where did your eyebrows go? Um, so most of my kids, <laughs> there was always some explosion for my boys and they had no eyebrows because they were just lost (laughs) in the last fiery (laughs) explosion. (laughs) Couldn't look surprised because there was no like eyebrows to indicate surprise, but to realize that this is them understanding who they are and how they interact to the world around them. And I want to send this message, that place that you're understanding right now is really worth going.
0: Mm. All right. Tomorrow, our daughter starts middle school. So, the parents, specifically us, as your kids are going through middle school, what would you say to them?
2: Oh, boys are bad except for dad. Like, but <laughs> I, <think that> I,
1: <laughs> I love that's the first <laughs> thing. I think I
2: would start saying that message about love is sacrificing commitment. Like, mm-hmm. it isn't just like, butterflies, because you can get that from bad pizza, but like it's sacrificing commitment. So no, find a posse of good people. And I'm bridging from middle school into high school, because we are not the average of our five most insecure friends, but we start acting like them. And so I would be a really good picker. I'd find good friends that like they're aware of their insecurities. They're not reacting to their insecurities.
1: Hmm.
0: Boys are bad except for dad. I, I will use that tonight <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> as your bedtime conversation. Yes. What about those empty nesters, parents releasing their kids to college? What would you say to them?
2: Oh, bigger nest. Yeah, bigger nest, mm. get more twigs. So that's what we thought we don't feel empty. If my, I felt like my life was really hopping when everybody was under this roof and now there's just more people uh like mm. things have been more and more like they're crescendoing wonderfully so mm. uh, what i'm trying to figure out is perhaps what parents and people of every age are trying to figure out how can i find a cadence in my life kind of full circle to what we we're talking about that as everyone is pursuing their ambitions, how can I do things that are pursuing mine? Because some of us get into this deferral idea. I'm going to defer. You know what you need, but you defer that to another time Mm. and you just never get around to it. You get 27,373 days. Like That's it on average. Less of you eat Pop-Tarts, I suppose, but for me more. But what I want to do is to say, with that limited amount of time that we have, I just don't want to defer things to another day. That doesn't mean I'm going on this hedonistic bender uh, and climbing a mountain or doing that, unless that's something that's really high on your list. But I want it just laden with purpose right now. So this is the time. This is why I'm writing a lot of books. I find it very tedious. I can barely spell cat. But at some point, I'm going to end up on somebody's mantle in a jar and I just want something leaning up against it think about this for the two of you. Think of your great, great grandmother or grandfather. Do you know much about them?
0: Not that much. No.
2: Isn't that crazy? That was 70, 80 years ago. Like they were here and they loved and they lived and they, and I just want to, I don't need my face chiseled in the Dakotas for a host of reasons, but what I want to do is to leave something behind. This is what I felt was most important. This is something that really mattered to me. We've been geocaching little messages now for decades for our kids. Uh, Wherever I go, like even if it's like uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, whatever, we'll take latitude and longitude. I'll bury something in (laughs) Mazar-el-Sarif for my kids. And they're all messages because I've told them, like, we're giving it all away when we're gone. So get a job. Um, But what we're going (laughs) to do is leave you with like round-trip tickets around the world and you can find all the things stapled to our will everywhere I've geocached a hope for you. And they aren't instructions. I don't tell them what to do. I remind them who they are. And so there's something about planning for eternity, depending on your worldview. Mm. Like I want to leave some stuff behind Uh, Because I don't know, I'd run into a fiery building to find out something my great-great-grandfather wrote for me. So that's why I write books. I think that's there's a legacy portion for you guys Mm -hmm. as you're doing even this, um, as you're writing down your thoughts. So I'd encourage people, man, write it down. Because otherwise, people are going to screw it up and they'll say, oh, Bob, he was the guy that was happy. (laughs) Oh my gosh, is that what we got out of all of this? (laughs) But I want to write down some of the other stuff. What a great time for you guys to write your kids some notes about this is who we hope you'll be. And this is Mm. what I hope you'll be about. And we're proud of these things. Bury something that just says, I'm just proud of you and send it to them. Give them the latitude and longitude on their very worst day. date it. They said they were proud of me 20 years ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just want us to do that. I know your time is important and I want to be cautious of that, but I do have one last question for you. Fire. Every time I'm with you, I think I leave feeling more courageous than when I came. And Mm. I'm curious, like if there's a listener today that there's something within them, they may have a dream, they may have... They may just want to do things different as a family. They may want to have a hard conversation with somebody that they've been meaning to have, you know, to talk with. What would you say to them to have the courage to do that special thing that they need to do?
2: Yeah, what about the simplest form of the argument? Uh, Instead of the most complex one, because when you said that, somebody's sitting in traffic in Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's Atlanta. (laughs) Um, And uh, they're thinking, oh, it's just such a complicated multifaceted conversation. So could we think of the simplest form of the argument, put your hand on their shoulder and say, you know what, I'm super insecure too. And so what you've been reading is this, what's actually happening inside of me is a pile of insecurity. And so I'm not going to get this right, but let me just tell you three things that I've wanted to say for a little bit. And again, I'm not going to get it right and don't quote me, but just feel this for the next couple of minutes and start with something that's going to have some shelf life to it to say what I've appreciated. It's not blowing sunshine. It's somebody to tell them what you've appreciated about them. I appreciate your clarion, unique voice in the world. Nobody communicates the message uniquely the way you do. Number two, I have felt off-put a little bit by the way that you've said that, even though we're strangers. I felt a little bit offset, but I understand that's just my insecurity speaking. But as we develop this friendship, just know that. Uh, And number three, I'm sorry for breaking all your plates. (laughs) 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 so there's just something instead of this most complicated form of the argument just what's the simplest for i'm insecure i bet you are too we want to cohabitate we're on this marble going through the universe at twenty-seven thousand miles an hour Uh, so we are making moves together and let's move a little closer Uh, Mm -hmm. i know it's scary for you it's scary for me let's do it anyway
1: Is that what motivated you? Is that what your motivation was to make friends with someone very different? Yeah. It came
2: from these impossible things that Jesus was telling his friends. He said a whole bunch of, like, you've heard it said, but now I say, and you've heard it said, now I say, it's like he was saying, hey, new rules coming. Yeah, And then the last one, the big crescendo was love your enemies. And I just like, I just think of the, I don't really have enemies, but there's some people that I've identified that feel difficult or a little bit unsafe emotionally to deal with. And I'm just trying not to create a case around that. And the best mm-hmm. way for me to deal with that is to just be a whole lot more humble yeah. uh, and to be the one that blinks first. That doesn't make me the hero. It doesn't make me the victim, but for the first time, it makes me a participant. And I think it's participation that we're called to. Mm -hmm. Uh, I keep bringing God my successes and he keeps saying, I just want you to participate. I don't need another victim or a hero. I just need a participant. I'm the hero in this story. Mm -hmm. And so that's actually given me a lot of context. And so if I can square up with people along the way, and I'm not there, but that's the intent behind some of those, you know, just go, and I just will like reach out to people that are... different place. I'm not looking for a selfie. I just want to say like, ah, just uh, that felt a little wonky. I don't know if it felt wonky to you, but could we bring the temperature down just a couple degrees if we could bring it down to just a simpler version of that? Even in people in faith communities that are sometimes animated Mm -hmm. about things to say like, sometimes it feels like the guards are the prisoners, (laughs) if you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just say like, oh... If we could just soften that, I think you have a really beautiful intent in there. I just haven't come across it yet. Mm. Um, I haven't been able to figure out what it is. So like, let's really tell me the simplest version of that.
0: And now it's time for the breakdown. Are you going to break it down? <laughs> <laughs> There's so much.
1: Yeah, I have a lot, a lot of notes. Oh, hit me. There's just a lot of things that he said that were basically nothing of my questions that we asked.
0: (laughs) Ask people their experience, not their opinions. Let's start there.
1: Oh yeah. I loved his analogy with the guy that was giving him all the sailing advice and then would never sailed before. And I'm like, isn't that what is happening in real life? Oh, in real world, right now, on the interwebs, on the internet, constant voices, constant rhetoric with people who do not
0: have a real life experience. Ooh, yes. For years, I've been talking about this. People go to business school and they learn how to run a business from somebody that's never run a business. Like this is classic. Yeah, I mean, the 10,000
1: hours concept is like
0: so important, right? Yeah, and I think what he's saying and what he's digging at is like this concept. And he said it once of just like, you don't have to be right. What if you didn't have to be right? What if you could go through life and not be right in every situation? Now, granted, I'm listening to him. And as a Challenger 8 Enneagram person, like this is like the story of our marriage, like you and I battle. Oh, I always want to be right. I mean, I'm a one. Oh,
1: That's like my personality. So it's hard. It's so hard. Everything Mm. he was saying was like, that's going to be like some big growth
0: edges for me that I need to work on for sure. Teachability and the humbleness. And And one of the ideas in that, I think that he was saying is, I think too often we want to be right too fast. Like this idea of deferring to another time. That's interesting because it's like, we don't have to get to winning In the short run, we can actually create relationship for a long run. And that relationship is that that's when you actually change your mind. I mean, you and I, my mind has been changed by you very rarely in the first conversation. But over time, because I love you, because we're in this together, you change the way that I see things.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think he even says this, like, we want to get there together, Mm -hmm. but we're going to have different strides to getting to that place. And I think that's beautiful just in all relationships and partnerships together is like this understanding that as long as that there's this like big picture goal, like way ahead of you, all of the little missteps and ways that we get there along the way might not always be perfectly side by side, but it doesn't
0: have to ruin the whole journey, right? Mm. Like it doesn't have to ruin the whole walk. Really? That's good. Maybe I should bring that up in our next conversation. <laughs> Maybe we should talk about
1: that <laughs> one again. Obviously, you could all hear that we had a fight about this. <laughs> I
0: also would love to bring up this idea, like the story he told about his son wanting to basically create a vineyard on the property and he hasn't drank any wine. I thought it was so great. Cause like my son sees the world very differently than I do. He's interested in very different things than me. Yeah. And so it was a constant encouragement to me. I have to be more curious. In what he's interested in, then try to convince him what I'm interested in.
1: Right, which is currently like bitcoins and video games,
0: Nico. Yeah, yeah, bitcoins, video games, cryptocurrency, the stock market, dragons, <laughs> dragons, very important, uh,
1: wizards, <laughs> and all the gods, and all the, gods. the Greek very gods.
0: Very intrigued by all these. <laughs> yes, things. And it's
1: like we have to become experts now.
0: Well, we have to be curious about what they are curious about. I think that's at the core of his parenting, which is transformative. I mean, if they wanted to do something, he was willing to do it with them. Yeah. Regardless of what that meant, you know? Yeah. I do love that he has like
1: drank two glasses of wine his whole life and now he's got a vineyard with his son.
0: (laughs) It's beautiful. It is. I mean, that's not just being a parent, but really being in your child's life. Not choosing them to be in your life, but you being in their life.
1: Yeah. I'll say one more thing that I really enjoyed that he kind of said way in the beginning, but it was about this like way that we try to be efficient in relationships. And I thought that was so interesting because it is the American way is efficiency. I think it's the way we think about work. It's the way we think about our time. It's all of that. And how that creeps into relationships is really blocking out time and setting time. Like all yeah. this stuff that you're like trying to be efficient in time with your kids and time with your spouse and a date night and all these yeah. things. And how that that can actually like deter slash ruin intimacy and relationship as well. I thought it was really interesting to think about. And to like go back and be like, what am I doing and how am I managing people in time versus really just being there and investing in people in time.
0: That's so good. Well, thanks for your time spending it with us today and Bob, and we hope if this is an encouragement to you, please give us five-star rating on whatever you're listening to, write a review and share this with your friends. We have a incredible new whole season coming really soon. So be on the lookout. And um, we do want to thank Bob for his time and for his wisdom, both in our lives, just for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And for um, this time with you all today.
1: And that's another episode of Love Love or or Work. This episode was recorded by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions.